I want to be an actress. You knew I wanted to be an actress when you married me. Like everyone who knows me has known I wanted to act since I was little. Like literally I was a theater major. Like you knew this. <laughs> what the heck is the problem? Like this is just what we have to do. Struggling artists sometimes. This is, this is the life. Come on. Um, don't do that, people. <laughs> You're listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Algott. And coming up in episode 201, y'all, it's part one of my chat with actress and filmmaker Brandi Ford, an award-winning filmmaker, actress, and mother of three, and the woman behind Sugar Swag Bake Shop, which is quite possibly the tastiest thrival job the podcast is experienced yet but in part one we talk beginnings her journey from childhood onward from being a young mom in college to teaching middle school to planning weddings to doing background to commercial acting work and how being selfish though not recommended kind of paid off for her it's all coming up in episode 201 so stick around Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. Want to learn your lines, be off book for auditions, explore your character, and make stronger choices? There's an app for that, Rehearsal 2. Download it now at rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. And by the Headshot Truck, an all-inclusive mobile photography studio. Rain or shine, come hell or high water, the goal of the headshot truck is to give every individual the opportunity to produce a rock-solid set of headshots. With full support from a makeup artist, wardrobe consultant, and photographer, all on board for every single shoot. The truck can also turn into an interactive photo booth, perfect for any wedding or event, like, I don't know, recording the 200th episode of your podcast, uh, looking to spice things up. Visit theheadshottruck.com for more information, and follow the headshot truck on Twitter, and Instagram, at Headshot Truck. The Headshot Truck, the best way to get shots in L.A. Episode 201, dude. Yeah, we like we it's are. like we made it over the made it over the hump. Yeah, apologies to to listeners expecting a, an episode last week, but uh, I gotta say, uh, the break was nice. I'm, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Trevor and I definitely enjoyed being able to kind of slow down for a bit and not have the uh, the uh, I don't want to call it pressure. It's not really pressure, but the you know. What, what it takes to publish uh, on a weekly basis is the space maybe yeah <clears throat> yeah um but I'm, I'm gonna call you out on that dude because it doesn't sound to me like you slowed down at all because i'm looking <laughs> at our outline here and you've got clearly a lot to catch us up on yeah well there were i mean there was definitely a lot going on personally professionally you know which i guess it was nice to have the space you know like you were saying uh not having the 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 weekly publishing schedule and the and the ability to you know focus on on some other things 
But yeah, my, my New York Musical Theater Festival show opened this week. As of the date of this publishing, we will have closed <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> um, such is the nature of festivals. You know, I think we had, what, six performances total. So far, they're going super well. So I'm just going to go ahead and say it was a rousing success throughout the run because awesome. <laughs> I'm not expecting the next two performances to, to completely uh, tank. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, gone, it's gone really well. I got a callback and then a final callback for the NBC Diversity Showcase. So this is nice. the farthest I've gotten Yes, with these, uh, <clears throat> these diversity showcases. And I've been going in for them for years and all of the different networks. And it's, it, it's been a, a, a lot of work. And, you know, I thought it went really well. Um, they paired us up. And I thought this would be an interesting thing to talk about on the podcast. They paired us up for the final callback. And the guy who I was paired up with was not off book, not as prepared as I was. And, you know, that was kind of frustrating for a couple of different reasons, not the least of which being that, that the role that they had him reading for was the original one that I had put myself on tape for. Not only was I off book for it, um, but I also knew it really well and knew the comedic turns and everything in, in the scene. Anyway, so that was just kind of frustrating. But the story that I'm telling myself is that I ended up coming out looking like the hero because I was off book and I did understand the turns in the scene. And, um, you know, I made the people in the room laugh. So uh, fingers crossed, because that could be a really big deal. It would mean getting to perform and in front of network executives and, uh, you know, I don't know, ca casting directors, I don't know who they all invite to these types of things, but it's the kind of thing where I think you, Trevor, would say it was like having a, a, a certain stamp of approval. The sort of Trevor terminology to apply. To. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> now I got I got to ask you a question because I you you were talking in a recent episode about how you felt kind of frustrated because you were either too brown or not brown enough, or too Middle Eastern looking or not Middle Eastern enough, or too Hispanic looking or not Hispanic looking enough. Like you had you 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 couldn't seem to find that sort of specificity. But now you said this is the farthest you've gotten, and I, I'm just curious: is this due to you knowing them or is this due to you sort of presenting yourself in a more specific way or is this due to perhaps a sort of heightened skill set with with your craft so to speak i mean what, I'm, do, you, I'm a, yeah. to what do you attribute it I, i'm gonna go with that last one well I, i'm gonna go with that last one and and maybe just add uh being comfortable in the room for the meetings mm -hmm. obviously we like to focus on empowering people what i want to say is it's happening because I'm a good actor <laughs> and that's what I'm bringing into the room, you know, and, and obviously it can't, you're right. I mean, you're laughing because we're, we, we know it, it can be frustrating when you get the feedback that you're not, you know, X enough, or, you know, it's just like, Oh, we went in another direction or whatever BS, you know, happens. So maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe with the diversity showcase, they're like, Oh yeah, he's multi-ethnic. We have no idea what he is. That hits all kinds of like, we're supposed to bring in, you know, a Middle Eastern guy and a Latino guy and uh, and a Russian guy, and he's <laughs> like he could be all those things. Yeah. So there you go. We'll just cross all those off the yeah. list. Yeah, AJ's who the, our who guy. Who the hell knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who the hell knows? We, I don't know. We, we, I have no. <laughs> we have four have no less idea. people to fill our quota now because we've got <laughs> yeah, one guy exactly. who just takes them all. Yes. Oh, good. Now we don't have to look for more. People. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't. We know. just cut who our knows? budget by seventy-five percent. <laughs> <laughs> It could be the case. It could not be. I have no idea. But the but the thing is, is in order for me to maintain my sanity, I am going to, 
you know, uh, tell myself that it's it tell me, myself the story that it's because I'm a good actor. And 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 with all the practice of all of these meetings, I went in there very comfortable. I was able to play with the you know, in the first, I didn't get a chance to talk about the first callback because it happened during our break. But in the first callback, they handed me the sides for the scene that I had gotten off book for and asked me to read the other role. So that's how that originally okay. happened. And it was just about like going, just rolling with the punches. Like, oh, wow. I was like, wow, yeah, this is going to be a bit of an out of body experience, but let's play. And I used the script and it was just as good. You know what I mean? So, like, it's it's about being comfortable and, and, and natural and smiling and having a good time with the casting people and. All those things that we hear our guests talking about. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Well, congrats on that. And uh, I have no doubt that it is due to you just getting better and better and better at what you do and, and showing up in the room and creating the environment where people are like, ah, professional. We can trust that guy. We want him to be on set. We He's going to make us look good as casting directors and casting associates and stuff. So, so kudos to yeah. you, man. Thank you, my friend. Yeah. So Thank what is Gre- so Grease Live and then LA as well? These are the other two items on the uh, outline. Well, uh, the Grease Live thing I already talked about. I went in for well, maybe I didn't actually mention the exact project. I was talking about a few episodes ago how uh, you know NBC was doing these live musicals. You remember me talking about this? Yeah, and yeah. One of the other networks wanted to get in on it. So I think enough has come out so far. I don't want to like jinx it um, by by spilling all of the details, but. Uh, Fox bought the rights to Greece, and they're going to be doing Greece just like um, you know NBC has been doing these other these other musicals. And so I went in for the lead. I went in for Danny Zuko, yes. which was like, uh, and and they they have cast their their Danny Zuko and their and their Kaniki actually was the second second male lead. Um, but like a month later, maybe even two months later, six weeks later, it was like a long time. I just got an email and this week sometime i'm gonna have an appointment i don't know the exact appointment yet but this week they are bringing me in for a a different role wow. and so awesome. so yeah so like it, it, it's one of those instances of of like it's not really a callback but at the same time it's like whatever i showed them before was enough for them to be like oh yeah like you know he's He's not maybe I don't maybe I don't have like the star draw or the name draw that the person that they cast uh, as Danny has, but they are like yeah let's bring him in for you know uh, this this other part. So mm. super stoked about that as well. Oh, that's great, man. Yes, Congrats. and you got back in the pool. I finally so I got yeah. F- I finally got back in the pool, man. I, I've been talking about it for a long time. You know the the wrist uh bionic wrist thing was was my excuse for a long time and and then i finally acknowledged that it was just kind of fear of being miserable for the first month uh, because swimming's hard man i don't know if anybody listening to this has actually swam like competitively before but like that first introduction back into the pool maybe you're coming from the off season back into the on like it's it's hard it's 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 hard and uh i i i'm sort of especially sensitive to it because I have, uh, you know, I was, I was a good swimmer. Like back in the day I was, you know, I wasn't like great, but I was pretty good. And so I have a little bit of like an, an image in my, in some facet of my personality to uphold. And I knew that that image was going to be challenged and crushed. So, so I finally bit the bullet, (laughs) got back in the pool. Uh, it has been a very humbling experience, but it's been great. It feels uh, like, like the, the best 
two hours of my life or the two hours after I get out of uh, a pool workout, a swim workout. So that's been great. And then, uh, and then on top of that, I've used this, you know, space that we've had with the past couple of weeks with sort of taking a, a mini vacation from the, the podcast after episode 200. Um, I've been using that to just get kind of busy in the kitchen. Uh, and what I mean by that is nothing dirty. Uh, I was going to say, as soon as that came out of my mouth, I was like, well, you need to clarify that, Trev. Go on. Uh, so, so yeah, you know, I, I mean, okay, so I'm in my mid-30s. I'm back in the pool. It hurts. I'm basically a drowning walrus most of the time. It's not that bad, but it, it could be better. And I'm recognizing that I'm just not recovering the way I used to. You know, it's I'm an older person now. Um, and so I've been looking into, uh, you know, how can I fuel myself such that I, I bounce back from these workouts as effect as efficiently as possible and, and, and improve as efficiently as possible. And so I've been experimenting with a lot of sort of sport specific recipes and stuff. And I, I've just been getting more confident in the kitchen and I'm really enjoying that outlet, just, just playing and, and creating food stuff. And it's, it's totally strange for me because little known fact, I don't have a sense of smell. It's called congenital anosmia. Now you guys all know a stalker fact about me, but I've never been able to smell anything. I was just born without a sense stalker of smell. Fact. Yeah, I was born without a sense of smell. And so like the, the, the sort of experience of being around food is kind of cut in half for me because I don't have any sort of anticipation to it. I have like if I had my back turned and you were cooking a steak behind me, I would probably I would have no idea what you were cooking until I turned around being in the kitchen is sort of a new thing for me because I've just always been like, well, what do I, what do I want? You know, raisin brand. Cool. Done. Stomach full. Check. Um, and now it's a little bit more like, well, what if we added a dash of this or a dash of that? And so that's been a lot of fun. Uh, so that's been my world, man. Swimming and, and cooking. <laughs> that is <laughs> been great. Yeah. That makes me so happy. Yeah. It's been fun. On man. So many levels. I, I'm really I'm fascinated. I would I would love to have either a conversation on the show or a separate conversation with you about like the the foods that you're like what your research is 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 providing you in terms of uh, knowledge about like foods and and what types of foods and stuff that are supporting you in that in that recovery. Because I mean, the fact of the matter is, it was really funny when you were like swimming's hard. I'm like, you know what else is hard is fucking ice skating with a stick in your hand <laughs> yeah, and trying to like shoot hockey. a puck. You know what I mean? Like we are we 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 have chosen like two of the most challenging sports and and you know thankfully for you you've got like this great this great background. And I am getting older, too. So having, you know, some of the recovery uh, medicine, if you yeah, will, yeah, yeah. If, if food is recovery medicine, um, you know, that one might be kind of useful for me as well. So oh, dude, I, I, I could talk for weeks about it, man. So uh, I would love to have that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Episode 205, where I interviewed Trevor <laughs> yeah, <right>. about... <laughs> Oh, my God. It's funny because this is going to happen and it's going to be awesome. Yeah, uh, anyway, before we uh, we <laughs> go go down that rabbit hole, uh, quick shout out to who brought you this episode or at least who helped you bring bring who helped bring you this episode. That would be VOTogogo.com. If you haven't heard of them before, where who are you? They are the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training for years in a row 
You can visit Boom. VO. <laughs> Boom, indeed. Visit VOtogogo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. It could not be any simpler. That's VO, the number two, gogo.com slash start. Do it, do it now. So we have a, a question from longtime listener Mike. Um, we can say his last name. He, he wouldn't mind. Mike Bowers. Longtime listener. He's, he's a good friend of the show. Really fantastic individual. I've, I've had a chance to get to know him personally over the past few months. And it's I just it's, he's a great guy. So he wrote this in a while ago. So I'm not sure where he is with this now. But I thought we'd at least just sort of field it on the, on the show to to sort of, I don't know, put it out there. And maybe if anybody else is in a similar situation, they can sort of glean something from this. But uh, long story short, I'm not going to read his email verbatim, but he basically wrote a, a web series or a digital series based on his experiences working retail. And he's had a really, really, really like obnoxiously difficult time trying to find certain locations, specifically an office space he reached out to me a few times. I saw him reaching out on Facebook to other people. And it's like, you'd think an office space would be easy to find, but he's been having a really hard time with it. Throw another thing into the mix. NBC has a sitcom coming out very, very soon that is also retail themed. And from what Mike understands, it's like almost the same exact idea. And so he's wondering now at this point, having such difficulty finding this location. And by the way, he's got director, actors, scripts, like everything's lined up. All he needs is a location at this point. Um, but he's wondering at this point, should he just kind of throw in the towel and consider this a good writing exercise? Because if he feels like if he doesn't get his series launched before this NBC series, NBC series comes out, he might look like a copycat or something. He's kind of wondering, like, at this point, is it should he cut his losses or should he push forward with it, given all these moving parts? And uh, he kind of wraps up and says, are some projects just destined to never see the light of day? And uh, I'm going to say that happens probably all the time in yeah. L.A. and New York and, and everywhere. And More it, often than not, it, probably 99% of them, actually. Yeah, and I, I got to say, I have only experienced this a few times. So it's, it's not been a regular thing in my sort of, on my sort of path. But, but when it does happen, it is a bitter pill to swallow because you, put, you have so many hopes and dreams and visions for this epic thing that you're going to do. And then it just ends up dead in the water for whatever reason. Yeah. So I guess the question then really is, I kind of wanted to be like, well, what does your gut say? <laughs> yeah. Um, and he, you know, he's, he's found, he's had a lot of difficulty just finding this one location. And I've just thought like, well, can it be rewritten to go into another location like somebody's apartment? But then would that drop the production value? I mean, Hmm. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this, AJ? Well, I, I'm I'm with you on like you know what what is your what is your instinct tell you a little bit, uh, but also like I, there are so many uh, there's so many moving moving parts like it's a great way to put it actually Trevor the 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 idea of a bunch of moving parts because there are, I, first of all what I would hope is that he that Mike you uh, would see that there's no um, What's the word I'm looking for? Like, there's no, there's no negative outcome. There can only be positive. And what I mean by that is, like, if it doesn't, um, sorry, Mike, that's my cat playing with a bell toy. Uh, if it doesn't um, pan out, then 
it was an awesome writing exercise and you learned a ton. And the fact that you're even, I, I do want to say this too, the fact that you're even asking these kinds of questions means that your mind is thinking head and shoulders above a vast majority of the actors slash writers slash producers out there. Because there aren't very many who, you, you know, I'm not saying that everybody writes inside of a silo, but there's not many people who are out there asking the question like, all right, where else is this happening? What uh, narrative hole am I filling with this idea? Um, you know, who else is producing something similar? Who is my competition? Is this going to be a web series, a feature film, a short film, of this thing, of that thing, or whatever, right? So, you know, uh, the fact that you are even grappling with these, I guess the word would be level of questions is... I think impressive and inspiring and something that should be uh, definitely celebrated. Taking that a step further, it's like, well, why, and this goes back to kind of what you were just saying, Trevor, is like, why does it necessarily have to be a web series? Why does it necessarily have to take place inside of a retail? You know, what is, what is it that's sp special and specific about this project that has to happen in this way? And if it is that specific and that special, then my question, question then becomes what is it why is it that you are developing it as a web series as opposed to just a series mm -hmm. or you know whatever anyway that that was sort of my just initial reaction when i when i when i read this but i don't know i don't know how i don't know how useful that is because there i have like other questions for him you know, i mike uh, when when i'm back in la we can maybe get coffee and just hash it out <laughs> yeah and I, you know what, just listening to you speak aj what comes to mind is how many times i've read in an article in you know in filmmaker magazine or in the hollywood reporter or whatever about a filmmaker that ran into a situation was like this like this and was like well shit you know we can't put it in an office like it's just not working so like let's relocate it to uh you know the back of a van just you know whatever something that they have access to and mm. how many times they've been like I'm so glad after the fact that that office thing didn't work out because the back of the van thing was perfect or the apartment right. was perfect or like, you know, the rooftop was perfect. So maybe it's about just getting really creative and tweaking the idea just a little bit to make it so like just a little bit quirky. And and then, you know, all of a sudden, like the stuff that would take place in an office actually takes place like in an abandoned, you know, warehouse somewhere that you shoot. I, I don't know. But that could be what sets this apart from a standard retail, you know, quote, I'm doing air quotes, retail uh, digital series of some kind. Yeah. So something else to kind of throw in the mix there. Yeah. Well, and what I love about that is, is the that speaks to the creativity that comes from what what is it? What is the necessity is the mother of all invention yeah or whatever yeah, like, like that, yeah. you know it, it, it you you need a like you need a location to shoot you have this idea and perhaps not having access to certain resources in this case a set to shoot on might actually be a, a catalyst for creation mm -hmm. um that's awesome trev like such a cool inspiring idea that could be cool. I, w I would actually really, really love to. Now that I'm, now that we're talking about this, I'm like, I want to call Mike and be like, "Hey, dude, let me see the script. Let's figure out what we can do with this. Like, let's let's put them in a dishwasher. You know, it'd be great." <laughs> the dishwasher. <laughs> anyway, Mike, thank you so much for the question, man. Uh, you wrote this in uh, a while ago, probably like a month ago now, and just um, glad we could finally get to it. And I hope it's somewhat still relevant. Uh, I'll shoot you a text. We'll find out. 
Um, cool, man. Yeah. So that's that about that. That's about all the time we got. I think it's time to roll into part one uh, with Miss Brandy Ford. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it, brother. All right. So you guys, Brandy is amazing. She's beautiful. She's brilliant. And this interview, actually, the unedited audio is like an hour and a half. And we're really doing our best to kind of chug it down into like three 30-minute chunks. Uh, however, it is just so good. There's just so much good stuff that some of the future parts might be a little on the longish side, but you will thank us. Anyway, uh, part one here where she talks all about the beginnings and the stuff about how she made it work, like with her husband and the support she got with the three kids. You guys will love it. So just get ready to have your noodle baked and we'll see you on the other side. Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, I'm super stoked to be sitting across from somebody that you guys have heard about on the podcast a good bit recently, but you didn't know it. She is the woman not only behind Sugar Swag Bake Shop, if you were at our episode 200 uh, after party, you had some of those amazing cookies. This is the woman behind those, but she's also the woman behind uh, a short film that was recently selected. It won the 2014 HBO Short Film Award at the American Black Film Festival, and it's now streaming on HBO and HBO Go. That's an awesome story in itself, and she's also a mother of three children, an active theater uh, performer. She, she's awesome. Welcome to the show, Brandy Ford. Thank you. That was awesome intro. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting, I'll get like 2% better every time. Oh, that was great. Uh, I do it. I'm getting there. Getting there. Um, so really stoked to have you here. There's obviously so much that uh, I'm really excited to ask you about and chat about. And usually what we do is we start at the very beginning. As you know, you've, you've listened to the show. So you know that yes. we usually start off by saying, so where were you born and yes. what brought you into the industry? And I do want to talk about that. But... I, I wanted to start with a different question and kind of start at the end. Okay, sure. Why are you an actor and not like a lawyer or a doctor <laughs> or a journalist or something else? What drew you into this particular world? Gosh, I am an actor because I love telling stories. I love telling stories. It is free entertainment of the best sort. And um, and as a mom, I have to do that all the time with my kids, whether it be nighttime stories or whatever. But um, as an actor, you get to do that and you get to step into shoes that you wouldn't normally get to step into. You get to empathize with people that you might not generally intersect with as, an, as adults anyway. And sometimes you get to do things that are illegal if you were to really do them in life. <laughs> <laughs> like shoot people? Yes, or... exactly, okay. exactly. Um, so that's also kind of fun. So we're going to end the interview now. You just said it's fun to kill people. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I love telling stories. So, um, And I've, I've been doing some form of acting um, since I was, I think, three or four, doing like church plays and things like that. So yeah. um, I love it. So it's really in your blood. It really is. It absolutely is, um, which is funny because my parents, this is not their thing at all, but they, they're very supportive, so I'm thankful for that. So yes. let's go back to the beginning. You said you were three or four, and you were acting in plays and things yeah. like that. So take us from uh, the beginning up until when you 
got yourself into the industry in a in a professional sure. way? Um, yeah, when I was little, we moved around a lot, which you would think that we were in the military, but we were not. Um, but my mother was a single mother, so um, of three kids, and so we moved around a lot. Um, but we were always very active in church. And where, where did you start off? What part of the so country? So I started off in Pomona, California, not too far from uh, L.A. Um, from Pomona, we went to Virginia, back to Pomona, to Fontana, to Florida, and then we finally landed and settled in um, Las Vegas. Wow. So I actually consider Vegas to be my hometown because it, even though I didn't actually go there until high school, until um, ninth grade, but it's the first place we landed and stayed put um so i was very used to going in and out of schools but um but there we we she actually found a school a performing arts high school i auditioned i got in and i think because of that she made a real effort to um to stay so that i could stay there at that school and i'm so thankful for it because it was like a conservatory it was fantastic right, fantastic. right on so what was it work that uh that had you guys moving around so much she was she it was, was yeah it was um i think trying to feed three kids on your own yeah uh can be difficult because at the time you know not only was she a single mom but she was a teen mom she had me at 17 which is why now people think we're sisters because <laughs> she's <laughs> she's having her 50th birthday this year that i'm planning right now so because of that, um, you know, she finished high school, but she didn't have any college uh, degree. Um, so she used to be a hairstylist. She used to do sort of all these little things. And then I remember when we moved to Las Vegas, she got a job at Merck Pharmaceuticals, like in their data entry department and made it work. And then from there, went to college, went, went to school and got her um, bachelor's degree. And then when I went to college, she um, got her master's degree. So, wow. um, yeah, she really, she, she really did. I'm She's a worker, man. Yeah. 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 So she, and she's still in Vegas now. So um, thankfully that's not too far from here. So she comes, I mean, she loves me, but she really comes to see her grandkids. Okay. Right on. <laughs> More, you know, as often as she can. Yeah. Okay, cool. So she, you really had her support, her support in this uh, performing arts high school out in, out in uh, Las Vegas. Yes, I definitely did. Um, it's funny because I I remember one time when I I finally got this uh, somewhat of a nice role in the musical uh, Working, and I played Roberta, who is who is a really a working girl, but it's like a great part. And um, she couldn't come and I was so heartbroken and I and I told her too I was like this is I finally got a good part and you didn't come to the show and she felt so bad but she had to work and I just had to realize that like she has done as much as she can for me and she tries to make it happen as she can but there are some times where the rubber meets the road and she's got to pay the rent herself so cut her some slack <laughs> um, so yeah but yeah she's been very supportive and then from high school in Vegas, you went to a school in Texas, I think, right? I did, yes. Um, University of... Yeah, I went to TSU, Texas Southern University. Okay, right on. One of my best friends got accepted to USC the year before me, because she's a year older. And so I applied to USC, because I originally just wanted to move to LA and just start acting. And my family was all, they all shut that down. They all said, you are going to college. 
if you choose not to, that's your choice, but you would not get financial support from us if you don't go to college. So um, I'm, I'm the first grandchild. So like, it wasn't just my mom, it was all of them, you know, you're the example, that sort of thing. Um, and I was like sad for a moment, but it really was the best thing for me because I was just super young and naive at that time and it wouldn't have been a good recipe for me. But um, so I applied to USC, but I didn't get accepted. And the funny thing is I didn't apply to any other California schools for some reason, but I applied to TSU because they had an honors program and it's a, it's an HBCU. It's an historically black college university. And I had always went to schools that were opposite where I was pretty much like the token, the one black friend, you know, I have a few black friends, but like not many. Um, Cause there just weren't many of us there. So um, I was kind of intrigued by that because of the show different world. <laughs> like this <laughs> seems like this would be fun. So, um, so I applied to TSU and I applied to Clark Atlanta was all set to go to Clark Atlanta and then uh, and live with my uncle who lives in Atlanta and then I think a week before I was scheduled to go I got a call from TSU that I could get a full ride scholarship in their honors program so that changed everything and it was like well they're showing me the money so yeah this is where I'm gonna go and it worked out the way it needed to because then my uncle ended up dying um, like a semester in and we didn't expect that so so everything works out for, you know, a reason. I do believe that um, because then I later found out when my dad and I uh, reconciled and had a relationship again that he went to TSU and I had never known no that. Way. My mother didn't know that. So, uh, yeah, wow. it was kind of funny how that happened. Wow. <laughs> I was going to ask about your dad if he was in the picture because earlier you said that your parents are very supportive. So. Yes. Yes. So he is in the picture now. Um, he was in the picture uh, in and out, but um, he was incarcerated a lot. He was into drugs and just kind of went yeah. on that path and was very close to doing the whole three strikes Um but luckily enough, uh, he didn't get that third strike, um, which if you're not familiar in California, you know, three strikes, you're, you're in prison for life. Um, and so he didn't get that third strike, thankfully. But when he was in prison the last time, which is when I was in college, we rekindled our relationship and, um, you know, had a frank discussion about forgiveness and moving forward and that sort of thing. And so when I got married, I actually had my grandfather walk me down halfway. And then my father met me in the middle because that's how mm-hmm. it was in my life when mm-hmm. my grandfather was there for me. And then my father now um, is in my life and in my children's life. And it's great. Wow. It's that's really awesome. Nice. <laughs> so what was behind the full ride to TSU? Um, that it was just an academic scholarship, uh, just, just full for the academic. Yeah, just, just full like... on academic, um, being uh. a part of the Frederick Douglass honors program. So it was four years, uh, four and a half years. Um, it was a completely different experience. Cause as I said, it wasn't HBCU. So my first semester, it really was culture shock. I was like, if you've seen the movie drumline, it was like that, um, where you have these bands that are not like the band that was at my high school. They're dancing while they're playing and doing these formations and like breaking it down. And there's these dancers in the front and, you know, there's parties, but then you still have class at eight in the morning and my parents are thousands of miles away. And so, um, so it, so I actually almost lost that scholarship that first semester I got on probation and I quickly pulled it together cause uh-huh. I was like, okay, I'm not here just for that. So, right. um, but it was a wonderful experience. And now Houston is like my second home because I ended up um, living there after graduating. I stayed there for about three or four more years. So, okay. uh, wow. yeah, so I love you. I would never live there again for a variety of reasons. But um, but I do like to visit once a year if I can. 
Cool. And yeah. you majored in acting? I majored in theater. Yeah, yeah theater. I did. I majored in theater and met some of my best friends that I'm still friends with to this day. Uh, and, and yeah, I got to do a lot of live performances, got to travel a little bit with it. And it was, it was really great. That's really great. Was. Yeah. Cool. So what happened between Houston and L.A.? Ah, so a lot happened. Um, so between Houston and LA, um, I had a baby. So let's probably start with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because um, I got pregnant my senior year of college. As a result, I uh, I ended up going home to to have my son, um, and because I was a theater major, that last semester really was, I had to do a one-woman show. I had to write it, perform it, do the research to back it up, all of that, yada, yada, yada. And so thankfully, my professor um, allowed me to do all my research and paperwork home in Las Vegas. And then I just had to come back to Houston for that last little semester to perform. That was your like final exam? That was my final exam. That's it was pretty fit, cool. It was wonderful. Um, you know, I had to turn it in. I wrote the script, turned it in. She liked it. Um, I don't remember what it's called now, but it. But it. Ha- I do remember it had to reflect like all the different genres of theater. So it did have to start with like Shakespearean and then contemporary and Greek and all this stuff into wow. modern. And um, I epic. remember I ended like the modern stuff with like like a nod to Dorothy Dandridge because I loved her. And um, so yeah, so I went home, had my son. Came back to Houston, um, did my one-woman show, and then I think the next week I got to graduate. Yeah, it was like that was like a whirlwind. <laughs> Those yeah, last I'll say. Few I like months. how you were like, I went home, had my son, came back. I was like, <laughs> like it's this little like thing, Just like little blip. got my car fixed, you know? Right. Like, <laughs> I know it was it was crazy. Jeez. Um, and I remember too so vividly, like a lot of my friends being concerned and saying, you know, I know you really want to go to L.A. and be an actress and like. I'm just saying, like, a kid is a lot of responsibility. I don't know if you want to do that. And um, and I thought about it, but ultimately, I just, I just, I wanted to have him. And so, and of course, I'm so glad I did. Um, but to that point, after I graduated, I tried to move to Fontana, which is where my grandfather um, lived, and um, moved in with them to try to make acting work. Oh my goodness, it just did not. Um, I, you know, I was a new mom. Fontana, for people who may not be familiar with it, it is all, it's called Fontucky for a reason. Like, it's far. <laughs> I was gonna say, it's out there, <laughs> it's man. It's out yeah. there, yeah. yeah. And so um, I started by doing background work with Central Casting, as most people, a lot of people do, um, and was like just calling, calling, calling every day, and um, even got with like a casting service for a little, a calling service for a while. And of course, at that time, super young, fresh out of college, so I was booking like middle school roles, you know what I mean, high school roles, which was great. But that drive without traffic was an hour. With traffic could be two to two and a half. Oof. So it was just a lot of pressure on my car and on you know my grandparents trying to help me with my son. And as I was trying to figure out like, how can I get closer to LA? I slowly started to realize that there, I cannot make enough money to live by myself in LA with my son. And I didn't know anyone who lived there that I could room with. So it was like, okay, I can't do the thing that I know a lot of people do, which is like the Craigslist thing to find a roommate because I have a child. And I would kill someone if someone hurts my child. So I couldn't I couldn't take that chance that a lot of people that if I didn't have them, I, I totally would. Um, but I couldn't do that. So um, and I couldn't 
find a way to like make enough money to live in LA and still have the time to act. Because at the time I was thinking, I wanna go out there and have my days free to audition, which now like looking back, I totally wish I would have came out and found a job and you know, for five, six months, just saved up that money, worked full time. And then at some point eased into a part-time job after finding a roommate and that sort of thing. But, um, but at the time I was just so gung-ho to like, I want to keep my days free. So, um, I did book a couple of like little commercials here and there. I was non-union at the time and that was great. But, um, eventually I think after probably nine months of it, I I'd had enough and I was just like, this is not going to work. I've got to regroup. And so I moved back to Houston, um, because I had so many friends there. And so one of my girlfriends let me stay with her while I got on my feet and found a job and all that stuff. And, and, and it didn't take long because, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, and in, in Houston, in Houston. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, and I had a big network there from graduating and all of those people for the most part were not going anywhere. <laughs> you know, they loved Houston. They love that community. And so, um, I moved back and, I got a job as a, I enrolled into a teaching certification program and I got a job as a theater teacher. So I was a middle school theater teacher uh, for one year. (laughs) Um, That was an experience. Those kids, you know, it's so funny. Like when you first come, they're like a tough nut to crack because middle school, they're not quite you know, they're, they're still little, they're little babies still. They just came from elementary, like the sixth graders. And then the eighth graders think they're grown and, you know, they feel like they're going to high school. And I'm just remembering what I was like in middle school. You just feel like you're big and bad and bold. And you, of course you're not. But, um, but then once they love you, they love you and they will not let the other kids talk about you or, you know, talk back to you. And I really love those kids. I, it was at Sharpstown Middle School. I really love them, but the, uh, like the red tape of teaching, like my hat goes off to the teachers who stick with it because there's there's a lot of red tape and the whole like no child left behind and like testing and how we teach. I mean, I didn't have to deal with it because it was theater, but all of my colleagues who were teaching, um, you know, math and science and literature, English, I guess, they um, had to teach the test. You know, you have to teach the test. So it was a it was an interesting um, sort of pit stop. At that time, also as like a part time. On the side thing, um, I became a wedding planner. (laughs) (laughs) You've had like six different lives already, and this is all pre-LA. This is all pre-LA. We haven't gotten to the filmmaking acting part. I know, and the only reason why I even mentioned that is because it ties into my thrival job now. Sure, yeah. um, I believe that all this stuff happens the way it does. It's like, we can't see it at the time, but you look back, it's like it was perfect preparation for where I am now. That's the perfect way to so say it. So I love it when it's like you're talking about it. It seems so disjointed, but yes. I know that it's going to culminate in like, a, oh, like of, comes of course. together. Of yes. Course. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I was a wedding planner as well and um, and just really loved that whole like wedding and events world and being a part of people's celebrations. So, so did you, did you like start your own business or did, I did you so you were just like one day you were like i'm done teaching i'm gonna plan some weddings pretty much um and you just taught yourself I, or? I uh so what i did was i um assisted on a couple of weddings um and i enjoyed it but you know as an assistant you're not making that much money was this and, with a friend or a, a, um a, not even a friend like just a, people that i found that i'd reached out to who had companies out there and i you know i was an eager ready to learn sort of worker and was willing to work for cheap because i wanted to learn and um and and yeah and so I did that a couple of times and then I was like you know I I I'm pretty sure I can do this and one of my friends 
was getting married and she said, um, she, she left it up to me. Do you want to be a bridesmaid or do you want to plan the wedding? And I was like, oh, planning the wedding. <laughs> Forget that. I can be a bridesmaid any other time. So, um, so that was like a crash course in it. And, uh, and it was great. And from there on, like stunning soiree was born. Stunning That's, soiree. It was called stunning soiree. Amazing. And, um, and I did that. So then when I eventually came to LA, like I had, when I, let me backtrack because I'm still skipping stuff. So when we left um, Houston, what I what we ended up doing was first going to Vegas because I was pregnant again. I was married this time, but I was pregnant again. So we were like, okay, we're gonna have this baby um, before we like jump into LA. Let's go where there's some family to help us because you know this is my husband's first child and I know after having my first son that like it's gonna be a lot <laughs> and so and my son my oldest son at that time was um was three and so uh so we moved to Vegas and um my mother lived there my father lived there they're you know obviously not together but at that time my father just happened to move to Vegas and so um so that's where we moved and we lived with my mom for probably three months and then we got our own apartment um my husband got a job um I so funny I was trying to get a job with a big old belly and it didn't happen but I was trying but um I had my second son and um after I think after he was about three months old, I got a job in, in the wedding events world um, and worked at a hotel and casino. And we stayed there for a year. And then it was like, all right, it's time to go. Yeah, I was going to say, during all this time, or you still have that, that acting sort of bug in the yes. back of your head? And you're just yes. like, and I'm like restless itching. And, yeah. Exactly. And, and Vegas is like close enough that I can really right. taste it. So yeah. I'm like, uh, um, I, I, uh, we, we gotta go. Um, and you know, it, and it was hard because at that time I was, I was, you know, I ended up getting, uh, an even better job at like the hard rock hotel as the wedding planner making like 40 K, which was great, especially in Vegas. It's totally doable to do a lot. <laughs> um, wonderful health insurance. And so, Walking away from that, um, that's when my my mom and my grandfather and my dad were just like, we're not going to discourage you, but just are you sure? Because, you know, you do have a great job. And and this was when, like, the economy was like crap. So they were like, you do have a great job and it might be hard to get another job right Mm. now. And I was just like, listen, I am going to become depressed and miserable if I stay out here. And no one's going to like me because I'm not going to like anyone because <laughs> I'm going like to because I'm, I'm not going to like myself. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I because there there'll be things in me. There's this thing in me that like I've got to at least try. Um, and, and, and I can't just, you know, my kids can't see me like like feeling like I'm floundering because I'm doing something I enjoy, but it's not what I really want to do. So thankfully, we then moved out here and it was a sacrifice you know i thank god that my husband was willing to sacrifice because we moved with my grandmother who lives in long beach and we literally she had enough she had one room so we stayed in one room your two sons your husband and you stayed in one room correct with your grandmother in another for nine months your grandmother was in another room no my grandmother was in another room okay um, so my grandmother's in another room and she had, uh, like a guest room and then we had the third room wow. and, and we literally, um, 
Yeah, so there were months, many times where like either me or my husband was like sleeping on the couch just because it's just it yeah, was just too you know what I mean, um, and we had to put all our stuff in storage because obviously we couldn't haul all our crap there. But um, you know he didn't have a job before he came here. Neither did I, and I it really was just me being like, babe. I've got to go. I can't wait for you to get a job to move to LA because we don't know if you'll get one. I can't wait for me to get a job. We have a place to live. Please, let's just make this happen. Um, and a lot of people wouldn't do that, but thankfully he did. And it was—it definitely was a—it was a very tough time because it was just so claustrophobic. But thankfully, my grandmother was very patient with us. And um, and I remember like he got like little jobs here and there. And when he finally got like a legit corporate job. It was like, like, like heaven <laughs> opened up and I could hear the bells <laughs> because, yeah. um, and, and again, like everything kind of worked out the way it needed to, because that same year we got the biggest tax refund I've ever had in my life. Like when my aunt, who is our accountant, she's an accountant uh, by trade, when she called to tell me how much we were getting back, I was, I didn't even process it. I was like, are you? Are you, is it legal? Are you sure? And she was like, no, yes, because, you know, President Obama has this, the, all of these different mm-hmm. things that you qualify for. And so, um, and it's, it, is, it has not been anywhere near that since then, but it was such incredible timing because he had just got that job. Um, this happened. And so with all that, we were able to move and get an so apartment. You, so you get your own place. So wow. we got our own place. Um so during that time, though, I did do a lot of um, like little like I did a lot of auditions. I did a lot of self submissions. Um, I did all that sort of thing. And so once we we moved, we ended up settling in Inglewood in the Ladera area, which is for people who don't know, it's like right at the intersection of like literally you can go down one street, you'll be in L.A., another street, you'll be in Culver City. Mm-hmm. So um, and and I love it. And we've actually been there ever since. And. Yeah. Wow, man. So a couple <laughs> things. Number one, your husband's amazing because he was yes. willing to just put it all on the line for this thing that you feel. Yes, uh, so that's pretty really amazing. Is. Talk he, about talk about love. Yeah. And, and you know what? Um, and it was difficult. I'll be honest. It was very difficult because um, I, at the time, was so tunnel vision that I didn't quite grasp or have a respect for all that he was doing. It mm. took me um, probably another two years before I really could be thankful enough, you know, because mm. at the time I was so like really selfish, um, to be honest, and and just very much like, I want to be an actress. You knew I wanted to be an actress when you married me. Like everyone who knows me <laughs> has known I wanted to act since I was little. Like literally I was a theater major, like you knew this. <laughs> what the heck is the problem? Like, this is just what we have to do. Struggling artists sometimes. This is, this wow. is the life. Come on. Um, don't do that, people. <laughs> <laughs> do not do that. Um, but thankfully, yeah, he stuck with it. And, um, and, and, you know, to his credit, like, he's from Memphis, Tennessee. So, you know, coming from Memphis to then going to Houston, where we met in college, to then going to Vegas and then coming to LA, it's a completely different way of life, number one. Um, and the expenses are just, you know, we in Houston, we had a three bedroom house that we were renting for $900 a month. I didn't want to hear about it. You know, it, with man. the backyard yeah. and you yeah. know what I mean? And all of that. And it was wonderful. And, you know, and, and you know, we live now and it's not that. <laughs> I, I, dude, I have friends. I have friends in Delaware that have like six bedroom houses with like two yes. acres of 
like right on the like right up backed up to like a state park and they pay like 800 bucks a month exactly. for their mortgage exactly for their like, mortgage and i'm like yes i don't want i don't want to hear about your problems i like, don't <laughs> I, yeah I, I truly don't and so um so it took him a while to um sort of appreciate the fact that like just california the rent is what it is it's mm-hmm. not going down you know you just gotta kind of suck it up and enjoy the weather and enjoy the beach and yeah that's a trade-off you know, yeah. it's a trade-off um and thankfully he is he is totally on board there now but um i remember hearing a quote recently uh in my writing class actually my professor said um what is like the one thing that studies have shown that will affect whether or not a new business is successful and they like do out all these factors and what it was what it ended up being was your spouse or your partner uh is if they're supportive that's the number that one is determining the number factor. one determining factor and wow. i said to myself damn that is so true because wow. when when we were arguing like it was things were not happening and, and it's like once or they were but it was like slow and steady and like such a grind and once we got on the same page about my career and and his efforts to help me get where I want to get and vice versa, um, so many more things yeah. uh, blossomed and opened up. So, so. The, like, I'm sure we have people listening to this that have 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 had or cont- or or presently have spouses that are not totally enrolled or on board with their efforts to work in the yeah. entertainment industry. So, what did you, if I could totally put you on the spot, sure. what did you take away from? the times that you guys were butting heads over that one main thing is you know being an actor probably really any uh, position in this industry you're very you're you're very tunnel vision and you're very um focused and it's all about you because it's so hard that it's like you almost feel like if you take your eye off of that for a second like you you're, you're it's gonna stop your momentum you know what i mean but the downside to that is that people, your loved ones can sometimes get lost in that shuffle um, because you're so focused on your career that you're not thinking about how it's affecting them. And, you know, all the time and the hours and the commitment that you're putting into this um, that you may not necessarily be putting into them or seeing how that's affecting them. And I had to, you know, take my eyes off that computer constantly (laughs) self-submitting and 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 really start to open up to him and really start to you know realize that even though this is my dream and something that I've wanted for so long that wasn't his but his part of his dream is to be with me and to make me happy so what can I do to make him happy as well what can I do to help encourage his career and help help fulfill his dreams because it's not my my particular spouse is not in the entertainment industry has no desire like we did one commercial together and he was so over it and we made good money and he was just like but we've done it five times why why Hey everyone, welcome back. I I kind of have a question for you, Trev. Well, it's a question and a comment about the about the interviewer, specifically about about Brandy. Uh, one thing that I what, that struck me about you know the notes that I read about your interview and stuff is the the work ethic. Is that something that you gleaned from from your your conversation with her? Absolutely, and. This doesn't actually come up, I think, until the th- the third part of the interview, which will be a couple episodes from now. But she talks about 
sort of balancing the multifaceted aspect of being a filmmaker, you know, because she's wearing a producer hat at one moment and then she's wearing her screenwriting hat at another moment and then an actress hat at another moment. And, and she talks about sort of feeling pulled in different directions and how she just kind of views it as like a almost like a like a mixing board, like an audio mixing board where you would kind of turn the volume up on one track and lower the volume on two other tracks just, you know, for when you need to. And then when the time feels right, you maybe turn the volume down on that track and then turn it up on another track. So she kind of views sort of her multifaceted creativity in that way. And that to me translates directly to like a nonstop work ethic and and going with the ebb and flow. Mm. So that's that's the probably one of the biggest sort of noodle bake glean things that I that I took away from our chat. Interesting. Yeah, I just yeah. what what came up for me was was just thinking about the um, the ten thousand hours thing. The, the you know it takes ten thousand hours to master something, and I was like, you know, in order to get there uh, either quicker or within you know your your lifetime. <laughs> Like, you know, it can it can actually be or, or it, I guess it should be a lot of work. And I don't mean that that work has to be difficult or hard or challenging or a struggle or whatever. But but that, you know, uh, this, like actually putting in the work, the work, putting in the hours um, is, is how you achieve that that mastery. And and for someone that works as hard as she does, it kind of it, it it stands to reason that she's experiencing the success that she is. Does that make sense? Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All absolutely. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. What's your pick of the week, man? So I, I wrote one down here on the outline and I've, I've been second guessing it the whole episode we've been recording, but I'm going to go ahead and stick with this one and save the others for future episodes. So this one is just a simple YouTube video. It's about eight, nine minutes. It was uh, shared with me by our masterminds team and it is awesome. It is awesome because you are awesome and I am awesome and we are awesome. It's called the awesome anthem and you just got to watch it, watch it every day for a month and then tell me about your life. <laughs> That's it. All right. That's it. I'm done. Sweet. Uh, yeah. I'm excited. I have no idea what it is, but it sounds awesome. It's great. Uh, sorry. So, I, use, I used the word. It's <laughs> good. Everybody take a shot every time we use the word awesome. Oh God! Yeah. IEP, hashtag IEP drinking games. <laughs> so uh, your your pick of the week is actually something that I'm familiar with. It's amazing. I had a feeling you would be because it seems like something right up your alley, and yeah. that's actually it was sort of like I picked this for you <laughs> uh, in a oh, way. So like I, as soon as I found it and started using it, I was like, ah, this is gonna be a pick of the week, and it's gonna be for Trev, whether he knows about it or not. So, anyway, it's called Ready for Zero. It's at readyforzero.com. It is a website, blog, but also an app, and the app is the thing that first attracted me to it. But it's another one of those. Uh, what, what would you call them, Trev? Because you read a lot of like these money blogs, but you have very specific words sometimes when you when you describe them. Yeah. So what would you? I mean, I think they're known on the internet as just personal finance blogs. But... Personal finance, yeah, yeah, sure. Per- personal finance blog. So it, it's a personal finance blog. It's all this also this website. They post articles. I've only read a couple of the articles on the website itself, but the app is amazing. Essentially, what you can do, and this does take some vulnerability and some getting real with yourself, but you can log into all of your financial institutions into in the app, uh, similar to like you would with, uh, say, mint.com or something like that. But <clears throat> what this app does is it calculates your 
debt. It calculates how long it will take to pay off your debt if you only pay the minimum payments on your debt. And then it also allows you to slide two sliders, one that shows you how much you can pay per month and then it will sh- and then the other slider moves on its own um, to reflect how long it will take to uh, pay off the debt at that pay- monthly payment or you can slide the other slider meaning you can say I want to have my debt paid off by the end of next year or the end of the year after that or something and then it will calculate how much you have to pay off that debt per month in order to make that happen you know, I, it's it, like I said, it, it's, it takes some getting real with yourself and some getting vulnerable. So that's what I'm doing here uh, on the show. And like, I don't want the, my student loans, my credit card debt or whatever to be the thing that, um, stops me from say, you know, I, I who knows what it could be like getting new headshots, going to some, cl- you know, acting class or whatever. I don't, I certainly don't want money to be the thing. You know, we talked about this in episode one ninety nine, like having that be the, um, like the bottleneck. Mm-hmm. I don't want that to be, to be the case. So, um, Jasmine and I put our stuff in there and we're creating a plan and, um, it's awesome. And, and what I like about the app is it's very simple, very, yeah. very simple, yeah. uh, very straightforward. And, and just, it, it, it it doesn't. It's not going to like make money for you, but uh, it's uh, it's about it's about having something visual. So if you're a visual person, it's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely great. And and uh, you know anybody listening to the show knows that we're not big fans of carrying debt or going into debt for any legitimate uh, reason other than you know like a medical emergency or something like that. So uh, if you are in debt and you hate it and you hate being a slave to the debt, uh, this is a great resource. Readyforzero.com. And then watch the awesome anthem, which is linked on our website. And those you two together will just watch the awesome anthem stuff. while you while you put your stuff into Ready for Zero, so that you're feeling good about the steps that you're taking towards getting out of debt. Yes, absolutely. Or not feeling good, feeling awesome. Yeah, there it is. God, shots, people are so shots, shots, drunk shots, right shots, now. Shots, 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 shots. <laughs> anyway, uh, we have a couple uh, a couple shout outs before we wrap this bad boy up. Yeah, I, I just quick shout out. I, I had two separate instances, one uh, at my rehearsal space for the Nymph show and one at NBC instances of listeners recognizing my voice and or face and and saying hi, which I freaking love. That's amazing. Thank you so much. So a big shout out to Sean and Anna. Um, just wanted to say thanks. And it's so awesome that you guys are getting value out of the podcast. Sean's actually... Um, about he got accepted to Yale uh, drama school no big deal and then uh, Anna was at the final callback so congratulations to the result awesome results that our listeners are creating in their lives Uh, you guys are amazing and uh, and just a quick shout out to uh, Michael Polly who it's his birthday today as of this recording so by the time we we publish this it will have been a few days past but I just want to say happy birthday to my buddy that's awesome. Michael's doing these uh, old school radio broadcasts every Sunday night. He puts a thing up on SoundCloud that's like him just kind of reading or sharing something about his his life. And they're really cool, man. They're really, really cool. And not to mention a brilliant uh, sort of marketing thing. Like it's just him sort of putting more of his voice work out into the world, but, but yeah. in a very personal way. I've, I've just been following him for the past couple weeks and really enjoying them. So Michael, if you're listening, keep it up, dude. And Throw that up on an RSS feed or do an email blast or something because I, I would love to see that that um, take hold for you. 
All right, so today's episode of Inside Acting, that will be the 201st episode of Inside Acting, uh, is produced and co-hosted by me, Trevor Algott and A.J. Meyer. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadali Guberek is our marketing and web director. Jasmine Bristow is our director of public relations. And Deborah Smith is our community manager. Trevor Algott, that's me, edited and mixed today's episode and composed our theme and interview music. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch, which, by the way, just gets better and better every week. Um, our our director of PR, Jasmine, has been taking over that, and it's it's like much more valuable than it ever was when Trevor and I were running that uh, that ship. Um, <laughs> sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our recent episodes at our website, InsideActing.net. You can also find us on iTunes and your <laughs> five star. Reviews are hugely appreciated. Special thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal 2, VO2GoGo.com, The Headshot Truck, and uh, of course, thanks to you, our listeners. If you love Inside Acting and you want to maximize its value in your life and career, go ahead and sign up as a monthly member and get cool perks like access to our membership message board, cool freebies, invites to exclusive member meetups, discounts on merchandise, and more. It's all coming. It's all many much of it is already available. Uh, just visit insideacting.net and click on the membership tab. <laughs> and that's it for episode 201 of Inside Acting. Wow, 201 episodes, man. It, it, it never ceases to amaze me. We're in tri- triple digits uh, double time. And it's, it's crazy to me. <laughs> triple digits double time. That is uh, that is math. Thank you, math. You're welcome. <laughs> town thanks for listening ucla has done you well see you next week and in the meantime awesome shots awesome shots awesome shots awesome shots